I want to tell a little testimony before I start. Someone in the church that's fairly new made an agreement to give in an offering. And they gave the last $10 that they had. Now, this was very troubling because they had some some major issues and their accounts were frozen and they had no access to money both the cars were on empty so they came to church and when the offering came they looked and they said this is all we got left <laughs> and he said to her I don't know really how I'm going to get back to work. The car is nice, but if it doesn't have gasoline in it, you might as well decorate it like a Christmas tree. And they prayed that the Lord would help them, but they just put it in. It was just like a day or two turnaround. They couldn't believe it never happened to them before, but they got a tax return back. It went into their accounts. They were so excited about it. He was on his way to work with the little fuel he had left in the car. And he called back. He said, would you check the accounts? She said, well, there's nothing in the accounts. You know there's nothing in. How could there be anything in? We just checked it. But sure enough, that return had come back. But more than that, Everything that was in disarray was set straight and all the accounts were unfrozen and everything was restored. And I asked, and I asked the question, how far did that $10 go, you think? How far do you think it went? Now you might get hung up on a, on a numerical amount that was not it because for some of you it's so much more than that you wouldn't even want to say and some of you it's so much less than that you'd be embarrassed had nothing to do with the amount it had to do with obedience (laughs) oh my I'm so grateful for the presence of God here a confirmation of the word of the Lord so I will preach I promise not to keep you long I want to just say a little bit before I go before I start about some of our guests your brother Rigney is here pastor very glad that you're here we welcome you here tonight sister Rigney I see you thank you love you and from Worthington Indiana pastor Uh, Kevin Davis. Brother Davis, I see you now. Now I see you. I'm so glad to see you, Brother Davis. Thank you for being here. Sometimes the preaching of the word of the Lord does not speak to every part of the Bible, but it is a line upon line, a precept upon precept. And when I stand here under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I do so by the commission of the Holy Spirit. 
And I have a word for the church tonight that I probably would have let it be. But I could not get away from it. And by the mouth of several, I must speak this to you. Amen. I know you've stood for a long time. I'm just going to ask you to stand for just a couple of verses and we'll read from the book of Ephesians. Can I tell you, I feel like we've had Pentecost already in this, in this room. Oh my. Services just like this saved us. When we were growing up, it saved us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted think of that by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love Paul would write that we should keep the bond of peace and he wrote here till we all come in the unity of the faith I need to deliver this to you I would ask the question pose it as it were but I'll just present it in this way the bond of peace until the unity of the faith Till we all come in the unity of the faith, which simply implies there's an ongoing process to get there. Amen. And everybody said amen. I want you to pray right now that the Holy Ghost would move in this house. Would you do that? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. Thank you, and you may be seated. I thank you for standing. It's a long and hot summer in the African plain. I won't give you detail to such a matter long cast 
in the endless documentaries of the National Geographic just to say that the bands of herds that graze in and out of those familiar places often find themselves under the watchful eye of the greater predator. And while we often refer back to the lioness and her band of well-rehearsed guilds all gliding through the tall tundra, on their way to pounce on the unsuspecting, there are other predators that lurk there too. Some are wild dogs followed by the hyena. And then above the towering place there are vultures. They're swirling in circles ready to plummet to the still or the living. Both morning and evening holds dangers for the herds. The larger carnivores are mostly asleep while the longer, lengthy cats use their radar sense in what amounts to nothing less than night vision to see and attack the weary herd. I find it an awesome truth of creation that resonates on both land and in the sea. Those happy-looking dolphins. <laughs> they've, they've been made into warm and fuzzy creatures for a generation before us. People used to watch the sitcom Flipper. And they supposed that the porpoise would smile. Of course, after five decades of SeaWorld and other national, international dolphin shows, the endless stuffed animals that were bought, it's easy to forget that they were never smiling in the first place. They are predators in their own right. And they are after the smaller fish. The open waters and the dry ground all carry the same principles of survival. The entire animal kingdom has God's design for survival. And I wonder if we have failed to notice such things that amount to a wisdom so grand and wonderful it should never have been overlooked. Solomon wrote of those things. He said in Proverbs 30, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants, the conies, which he calls feeble folk, but they make their house in the rocks. The ants gather up their food. The conies are in the rocks. He said, the locusts have no king, but they go forth together, and I quote, by bands. And finally, the spider, who is the most persistent of them all, having made her home in the king's palace. Consider it. The power of the group. Just swimming along is not really protection. Just to go along, to get along. It's probably nothing more than a foolish rhetoric, some foolish attempt at turning a phrase. That's not how the wildebeest and the antelopes live. They have to band together to find safety and refuge. That's not how the small schools of fish that occupy the ocean survive. In fact, in those aqua blue waters, when the predators come for capture, the schools of fish become a defense of one another. They are all just swimming in one direction. And if they are doing that, if they're just swimming together in one direction without any real coherency, well, that's called shoaling. S-H-O-A-L-I-N-G. It's almost a nonchalant advancement. There's no protection in shoaling. Sure, they are together, but they can easily slip off to one side or the other. But if that so-called smiling dolphin comes to call, those who are shoaling almost always take their last turn in the clear waters. They die in the shoal. But those who come together, and I mean really come together, create a force that is greater than any one of them separately. That's called foraging. It's efficient. It's a bond. It's a closeness with almost no defining separation. 
hear me, apart, alone, detached. Each one of us is subject to a finality. They will never outrace the predator. As keenly as they look around and as agile as they may be, moving and turning together, the balance of power comes when they are together like a tornado in the deep. It's hard for the predator to pinpoint which fish is which. They all look alike. They all move alike. They even create a form that appears to be a... Think of this. They create a form that appears to be a much larger fish than the one that's after them. It is their only protection. They don't have a real bite. They have no haven to huddle and wait out the surge that amounts, that mounts to devour them, but together, together, say it together, together, someone say it together. There is a power unlike anything that has ever been seen when the single joins the collective. The power of it is without equal, moving together, walking together, praying together. It is a force that gives synergy. Synergy is a cooperative interaction that God instilled in the kingdoms of the land and of the sea. And I'm wondering what would happen if we took that knowledge of being in unity together. What would happen if this whole house was in unity? We're not there yet. We would have great power over the enemy. We would have protection from false doctrine if we were in unity. I I wonder what kind of reconciliation or restoration could we garnish if everyone lifted up the fallen person together? What would happen in this room if everyone was in unity together? Not shoaling. Oh, we're all just walking towards heaven. Yes, but you're in danger. We're all just going in the same direction. Yes, but you're not together. Well, we're all going to the same church. Just going to the same church doesn't mean that you are in unity. It just means that you occupy the same building. See, God saw the people of Babel. They were building a tower. Even in their disobedience, they had a unique authority that garnished the attention of the Ancient of Days. Even in their blatant disregard for His command to replenish the earth, to develop with gardens and crops and cities, even though they were rebellious, God took notice of them and God saw their unity and He said, and I quote, Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Another version says, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And why? Because they moved together. They were foraging together. They were advancing in step together. In step together. In step together. In step together. Always marching together. Always in unity together. Look back a little bit. You'll see it set in the annals of history. I'll give you the date. It's early April, 1831, when a brigade of soldiers are marching in step across England's Broughton Suspension Bridge. They're marching in step from land to the bridge to the land. They're all in step. They do not know what they're doing, but the unity of those marching feet, according to the accounts of time, the bridge broke apart beneath them. Soldiers were cast off into the water, throwing dozens of men over the side of that of that broken down now broken down once very sturdy bridge the British army had to come together to do an investigation and come to find out they they found out both then and now that when those soldiers marched in unison their unified step caused a vibration that ripped the steel apart the concrete as dense as it was could not hold together at the vibrations of the unified step 
there's a scientific term for it. The occurrence is called a mechanical resonance. And after all of that took place, even today, armies are taught that when they march over a bridge, they have to break stride. Why? Because the vibration of that resonance will start to crumble. That vibration starts to crumble. Even the greatest concrete, it tears apart the bold, the bolts. Hear me, many are wonderful, but there's a scientific term, but it's proven out in the scripture. If you get together, if you march together, there's a power in the house. Some of your minds are wondering, but I'd like to have your attention. I like to have the attention. <laughs> I wonder about the devil if he's strong. Yes, he is. I wonder about the world. Is there pleasure in it? Yes, there is pleasure in the world. Hear me, young men. There's pleasure in the world. There's pleasure there. But it lasts for a little while until you're so strung out on drugs and you're an alcoholic and you use all that stuff and your brain's burned out and you've got more skeletons in your closet than you ever could imagine. Yes, it's for a short season. And then by the time you get a little older, your life will be wrecked. Uh-huh. I think the world's powerful. I think there's a draw. But the church is greater than the world. In fact, the Bible says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. But what's the disconnect? I'll tell you what the disconnect is. There's a lack of unity among the body. Now, I've got to go somewhere. I hope you're going with me, but if you're not going with me, find someone else and go with them. Mm -hmm. I think the crowd is wonderful. Masses are great. But if they are disjointed and they're shoaling, then they are subject to the whims of the times. The culture, ladies and gentlemen, are going to eat us up when we are out of sync. Society will rip us apart when we think that we can make it without one another. But when we are together, filled with the Holy Spirit, moving in the divine will of the Father, there is no force that can stop us. I say, thank God for the many, but a crowd is not always the remedy for the miracle. Go ask Gideon who was obviously distraught at the thought that all he had was 32,000 men. 32,000 people against tens of thousands of thousands. Even still, there was a problem, and God pointed it out. God say, God said, tell the men who are afraid to go home. And I've often wondered that that was the easy way out. All they had to do was say, I'm afraid. They had fear. Fear was their release. Fear is not some benign attribute, however, of the common traveler. Fear, ladies and gentlemen, is faith in the enemy. Fear is believing that our God is not grand enough, not great enough to defeat whatever lies ahead of us. And that day, 22,000 fearful men who thought that God was not sufficient, they went home, they packed their bags and they went home. And God ordered another command. That wasn't enough. They were down to 10,000. And God told Gideon, go to the side of the water's edge, have the men drink. The scripture describes those men as they drank. They drank water. Some of them bent their heads and dipped them in the cool springs that ran by while others scooped up the water in their hands there's a difference and the difference was and the difference is awareness it's soberness it's having your eyes open it's looking it's guarding it's watching jesus said watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation and in that moment 
Gideon sent all those who were living unaware without recognition home. Here is the single attribute of the remaining 300, the paltry 300 against tens of thousands. They were not wise. We do not know that they were wise. We do not know that they were intelligent. We do not know that they were talented. They were not necessarily skilled warriors. There is no reference of any past victories or even fighting. Even logic dictates that those men had not seen a war for many, many years. Regardless of how many swords dangled by their sides and how many daggers were brandished in their belts, most of them had never seen war. Most of them had never used those instruments of war. There's only one quality that could be attained. They were together. They were in unity and in agreement. And I quote from the book of Amos chapter 3, can two walk together except they be agreed. Maybe that's why Jesus said that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that shall ask, that, that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It doesn't just have to be two or three. It could be 200 or 300. It could be 2,000 or 3,000. But they must be agreeable. They must be in agreement together. They have to agree. Even a true witness is established by two or three. Because Jesus said, but if he will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established I got a word for everybody here tonight I don't want to preach long I just want to tell you we've got to get together we've got to come together we've got to touch to touch one another together we've got to interweave our lives together we are not good alone we are not good separate we are not good as the single but we are powerful as the collective I don't, I don't know how this goes, <laughs> but I do remember a neighbor kid that was kind of a mean bully. He, 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 he was probably abused in his life, and I can remember distinctly one of my early memories. We, were on, we lived on 1713 Capitol Drive. I remember Scotty being out there, and that, that boy tackled Scott. I don't, I don't know if he was kind of hitting him or something, but he tackled him, and he had Scott down. And, and Scotty was down, and, and the, the big kid was over him. And I think that would have been enough. I think if that was just it, that that big kid would have won. But something got all over me. And I ran on, and I jumped on his back. And I bit his neck, and I took my fingers, and I put him in his eyeballs. And I removed his eyeballs, and I ate them. I don't really know what I did I jumped on his back and I put my arm around him and he tried to get me off and when he tried to get me off Scott got out and then we both got on top of him and that's one of my early memories and I remembered if we could just get together because where two or three agree in my name I'm going to be there hear me 
There's power in your praise together. There's power in your offerings together. There's power in your unity together. But if you are going to be disjointed, if you're going to if you're going to wage war against the unity of the church, hear me. You're damaging the culture of the church because the culture is the culture of love, hope, and obedience and submission. Did we read the Bible? Do we know the Bible? That's where the church is. Here's the church. Christ is the head of the church. This is critical. Christ is the head of the church. This is his body. We've got to be in unity. If we give together and we love together, anything is possible. But if we don't do it together... Oh my, 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 my. I'm here to... I'm here to help the church move forward. I'm a temporary guy. I have no plans, elders, to go anywhere. And Brother Heist, I'm not retiring anytime soon. But given all of that, many, watch this, many congregations had what we have. Many. We're not unique. Many people have what we had, what we have. Many. We're not so special that we're the only ones to go through the trials that you're going through, all the problems that you're going through, all the stress that I'm... Listen. We're not unique to have the wondrous blessings of God. We're not unique. And I've often prayed, what separated the early church from the modern church? Here's a scripture for you, Acts 4 and 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I got to get back to the first word. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And let me just help you. And they all spake the word of God with boldness. But in the modern church, a few have boldness. A few. A few, not all. A few speak the word of God with boldness. A few. If we all got together. I don't know if I can use it, but most everything I learned, I learned in Sunday school. And we sang the song. If we all pulled together, how happy we'd be. But you know, they're just so cute. They're so immature. Thank God for those little babies. And they sing the songs. If we all pulled together, how happy that we would be. Aren't they so cute? What happened? Did maturity cause you to forget how to pull together? I saw the choir here singing. It was wonderful. They were all singing the same song. And the same lyrics. That was great. Thank you, Brother Zach. You taught them the words. <laughs> but I've watched choirs that didn't know all the songs. They didn't know all the lyrics. And some people, instead of singing, they just mouthed the word watermelon. That happens. You can kind of tell because when the, when the choir breaks, they're still on the melon. It's wonderful. 
You expect that from the singer. If you take less out of it, you notice how disjointed they are. If you get down to the quartet, then you know unless they're together, there's no harmony. And if you lose harmony, then you've lost fellowship. But somehow we thought that everybody had to think the same thing to get into the church. Hear me. We got to have the bond of peace. And peace means you just march together until you come in the unity of the faith. Hear me. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a couple of days, for a couple of months, maybe for less than a year. I want to tell you, there's some wonderful things you're going to find out if you'll just hold on. And those of you who have been serving God for a long time and you've had a great walk with God, let the other people grow a little bit. Let them have a little undiscovery about how good God is. Let them go through some highs and some lows and get up a little bit one day and say, I didn't know it was there. I thought I knew it all. If you'll just let them grow. I'm watching this happen all around the United States. I'm watching it happen. I'm watching the people devour the people. Why is that? It's not the devil. It's not the world. It's because we were just shoaling. We were just kind of going the same direction, but we weren't together. Hear me. If the enemy can separate the single, he'll devour the single. Now I'm going to make a big statement, and you'll just have to take it. If you don't want it, just spit it out. You need this church I'm going to go a step further you need me wait wait I know how this is going to translate. Everybody, who, everybody who's got some impure motive, everyone who thinks this is all, all working for some self-service kind of function here, you've got the wrong intent. Hear me. God gave some, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, for, for the perfecting the saints. And then he said, till we all come into the unity of the faith, he gave you some people in your life so that you could get into the unity of the faith you're not going to get there until you accept the God given authority I love when I'm preaching the word I'm glad when I'm preaching the word because you can clap or you can stare but I'm glad I've got the word on my side I hope you're on my side but if you're not I know I'm in the word I'm going to preach the word come stand with me right now and Sister Care, if you could put on the screen 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12. Here is the word for our night. Here's the word for it. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king of the princes by the word of the Lord. This is the only thing that separates God's people from the great revival. This is what Paul wrote. Let this mind be in Christ. 
Let this mind be in you. Which was in Christ Jesus. Let this thought be together. I ask you, who will separate you now from the love of God? But I ask another question tonight. Who's going to separate you from the body of Christ? Here you go. Who's going to separate you from this church? Who's going to separate you from me? Somebody is going to try. I call them pastor killers. Yeah, they hunt down and kill pastors. There's a band of them in North Carolina. One of my friends went to pastor the church. Everybody loved him. But he had to correct one of the men of the church because the man was doing some very sinful things. But the problem was the man was also influential. And they were just waiting for that that pastor to say one thing. And when they did, they ran him out of the church. And when he walked by them, they refused to shake his hand. They growled at him and snarled. The man was sat on a church board in another place in this, even in this area, somewhere around this metro place of, of Indiana. He sat on a board for a long time. Finally, after years, the pastor said, we're going to go in this direction. And the man did not want to go in that direction. And he rebuked his pastor and he said, I'm leaving. And he called all of his family members and said, we're all going. They didn't want to go, but because they all lived in his homes, he said, if you don't come with me, I'm going to kick you out of the homes. They were pastor killers. The disunity of the body. No wonder why there couldn't be any growth. There was disunity of the body. Anyone who separates you from me is taking you out of the collective not because I'm something special in fact the the truth of the matter is I'm not good without you I can't make it without you but you can't make it without me and I refuse to preach in an empty building somebody told me their their son has been preaching on on Facebook he's been preaching on Facebook I said well who is he preaching to he said well he don't know he just looks into the camera I said man I can never do that I can have somebody respond. Even if they're snoring, at least I can hear the flutter of their throat. Yes, there's some pastor killers out there. They kill pastors and they kill churches. And I know another church, and that church had pastor after pastor after pastor. And when they got mad at the pastor, guess what they did? They stopped giving their offering. They stopped giving their tithes. When he got up to the pulpit, they sat down. While he was preaching, they got their Bibles out. They read their Bible with their head down the whole time. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not putting up with that. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 51. That's old. I got too many gray hairs. I don't mind getting another one, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to have. If we have 500 or 300 or 3,000, it doesn't have to be a talented church, but we got talent. It don't have to be an intellectual church, but we got intellect. We don't have to be a studied church, but we got that. We don't have to be a wealthy church, but I know some of you do have it, but we are going to be a church unified. We're going to be watching. We're going to be looking. We're going to be together. We're going to be swirling as a body.
All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What's it say? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. What does that mean? It profits you. It's good for you. Who knows that? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and what does it do for you? It's a profit. That means your stock just increased. It profits you. That means you sold something, you bought it for 10 bucks and you sold it for 100. It's a profit. it's profitable for doctrine so when I hear singers get up and record songs and they say now let's just put aside all the doctrine we're just going to worship together what are you talking about the doctrine is what defines me the the doctrine is my skeletal system without it I'm a formless blob it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction uh oh no 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 we're not going to have that no I, I tell you we're not going to have that no that don't profit me nothing I'll tell you what I'll just find somebody who's smooth I need a Zig Ziglar I need a Joel Osteen well, I'll tell you if you want that turn in the channel whatever I'm looking for an apostolic revival and I've got to be formed by it and I've got to have my brother I don't know if it still works, but just come after him. I'm going to jump on your back. I'm going to bite your neck. You just come after my brother. This is the house of God. This is the people of the Most High God. Hold on a second. That's my sister over there. I'm going to tell the devil, get your hands off him. But I'm also going to tell the world, get your hands off him. Listen, I'm not, I'm not giving any judgment against anybody right here. I'm not giving any judgment. Just let me be who I am. Can I just be who I am? Because when one of our young ladies went to work at a restaurant and they said, no, you cannot wear your skirt in here. You got to wear these. You got to wear these pants. And she said, well, I just have a personal conviction. I'd like to wear my dress. He said, well, I'll fire you if you do that. I'm going to tell you, they would never, they would never do that to the Muslims or the Buddhists. So I got on the phone and I called that owner and I said, now listen, we're going to have a little problem. He backed down. He was okay. All he needed to know, somebody was standing up for, for the people of the Most High God. Listen, I'm not putting any judgment on you. I got to be in unity. Elders, I got to be in unity. Because if I get out of unity, That's right. if I get out of step, we got to have something that will shake this world. That's why families are so disjointed because mom and dad, husbands and wives, you're not in unity. If you ever get in unity, something will be rearranged in your home. Come on, church. Right now, in Jesus' name, help us to keep the bond of peace till we all come in the unity of the faith. Let patience and love prevail, not dissension.